Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Learn to think differently. Learn to live differently. Be changed. Be renewed. Be transformed. Well, good morning again, everybody. We are uh, we're wrapping up this series today. Um, uh, as as uh, as was mentioned just a few minutes ago, we're going to do a celebration service next week. But we're we're wrapping up the teaching portion of this series today on this. Uh, this topic of transformed. And ju- just a flashback for you, okay? W- the way we started this whole thing was really just saying that the recognizing Scripture identifies seven key areas of our life where God wants us to line up with his plans and his purposes. And, and I think here's the reality. We all want to be lined up with God's plans and purposes, but we're, sometimes it, we struggle with finding those. And we eventually line up with something, but how many guys would would admit, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but you would admit that you've aligned different parts of your life and then realized that it was not a good choice. (laughs) You you, you kind of, you found something that you were going to follow and then partway into it, you're like, I don't know that that's working out so hot. So so here's what we've done. We've taken these seven topics and we've said, we want to line up with scripture. We want to line up with what God is calling us to do. And what that looks like might be a little bit differently than the way that we're living right now, but we're willing to change. That was a hard word to say for all of us, wasn't it? We're willing to change. (laughs) That's tough because we get in a groove. We get into a rhythm, and we like it. Um, You know what happens when you get into a groove and you're in there too long? It's called a rut. And we don't like ruts, do we? But that's what we find ourselves in. And ruts usually take us somewhere that we don't want to go. But the Word of God brings us to life. And that's what we're looking at today. We're wrapping this series up. And uh, we're on our seventh topic. So we've looked at spiritual health and physical health. We looked at mental health, emotional health. We looked at relational health. Last week we looked at financial health. And this week we, we finish it up as we look at vocational health. And we're going to talk about work Now, what I want to do is I want to start out by differentiating between a career and a calling. They both involve work, but that's where the similarities end. A career is something that we do to make money for everything outside of that job. It's the paycheck. It's fueled by by raises and promotions. We, uh, We give a certain amount of time to receive a certain amount of money, and we use that money to to live life outside of our job. The focus of a career is to advance a company and to please an employer. There's nothing wrong with that. A calling is something that's very different. A calling is, it really is, it's your passion project. It's something that God has put inside of you that you receive from the Lord, and it's fueled by fulfillment and purpose. Its focus is on advancing the kingdom and on pleasing God. So there's two distinct parts of work, what that looks like. In small groups this week, we're going to be looking at your career. Today, we're going to be focusing on your calling. And more often than not, people are afraid to go after their calling. 
they're hesitant, they're, they're nervous. There are things that cause us to, to stutter step and to pause and to not go after that dream that God's put in your heart, that passion that he's put inside of you, that calling. And we're going to call those things that cause us to, to stop or pause, we're going to call those in our sermon today, we're going to call those giants in the pathway. So I'm, I'm building a picture for you, and most of our sermon today is actually going to be a story, and that's kind of my niche as a, as a former history teacher. This is what I love to do. I love telling stories. So maybe you're going to feel like we, we preached, and maybe it's just that I'm telling you a Bible story. Either way, this is going to be some great content for us to dive into today because, as you know, the, the Bible has a great story that talks about a giant. It's called David and Goliath. I'm sure many of you guys have heard that story before. The duel between David and Goliath is a story that has enormous interest to me. And many of you guys know the basic outline. <clears throat> There's a duel that happened 3,000 years ago in Palestine. The two sides meet up in an area called the Valley of Elah. And the Israelite army digs into the northern ridge of this valley. And then the, the uh, Philistine army digs into the southern ridge of this army. And because of the location of this, neither one of these armies can really move. They're, they're really in a standoff. Because in order to attack, they'd have to go down to the valley floor and expose themselves as they come up the other ridge. And so neither of them wants to do that. It's not a good military tactic, so they're, they're at a standoff there. But the Philistines decide that they're going to send a mighty warrior down instead. And they engage in something that's very common in that time. It's called representational combat. Each side will choose a representative, and those representatives will do battle, hand-to-hand, one-on-one, man-to-man combat, and the two sides will accept the outcome. And so the Philistines send their representative down, and he challenges the Israelites to send a warrior of their own, and the two of them will settle this whole battle in one-on-one combat. So our problem is that the representative who the Philistines send down, his name is Goliath. Scripture estimates him being somewhere around eight feet tall and a very experienced warrior. So it's not just that he's big, it's that he is, he's bad. He's, he's the, the biggest, baddest warrior that the Philistines have. <clears throat> Israelites, nobody wants any part of it. Nobody accepts that challenge. They're all shaking in their boots, except for one person, the, the hero of the story, a shepherd boy named David. And David comes up to King Saul, um, Saul, the, the king of Israel, a very experienced warrior himself, a very tall man, a large man, Scripture says. If anybody should have done the battle with Goliath, it should have been King Saul. But Saul's not interested in it either. David, David, the shepherd boy, comes up and he says, I'll do it. Saul looks at him and says, uh, you're crazy. You're crazy. This guy is uh, an eight-foot tall warrior and you're, you're a child. But Saul realizes that there's not a line of people behind David. He's it. Like it's, it's, it's their only option that they have right now. And so he gives David his armor, and David says, I can't wear that stuff. It's, that's not going to work for me. Instead, David reaches down, he picks up some stones, puts them in his pocket, in his pouch, 
He grabs his shepherd's staff and he takes off. And scripture says that Goliath sees him as he's coming and, and he, starts to, he starts to spew these, these, uh, these comments, come to me so that I might feed your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And he's, he's intimidating and he's basically saying, uh, sorry, we didn't edit this for younger kids too much, but he basically said, I'm going to tear you limb from limb. I am going to destroy you. Bring it on, is what Goliath's saying. So the boy, David, gets closer, and the giant sees that he doesn't even have a, a sword or a shield. All he has is his shepherd's staff and this little bag, this pouch. And the giant is insulted. And so now the, this, the biggest, baddest warrior of Palestine has this kid coming, and he says, am I a dog that you'd come to me with a stick? And David as he gets even closer now, David responds for the first time. David's, uh, David steps into the conversation. He says, no, I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Reaches in his little pouch, grabs out a, a rock. You know the story. Puts it in his sling, whirls that thing around with a thud, hits Goliath between the eyes, knocks him out. David goes over to Goliath, picks up Goliath's swords, and, cut, and cuts his head off. Shock. <laughs> what just happened? The, the Philistines just um, are, are taken off. I mean, they are running back to their homeland. They had agreed we're going to accept the outcome of this. Now, you guys, you know the story. You've probably heard it a hundred times, and we use the story a lot to talk about this, this, um, the, the, use this, this metaphor of improbable victories and, and the underdog, you know, that, that is victorious and triumphant. It's highly unlikely that you guys are ever going to face a, a, an actual giant in your day. At least not an eight-foot giant that's like threatening to tear you limb from limb. Okay, that's, that's highly improbable, but it is very likely that you're going to face a whole lot of other giants in your life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It could be the giants of your finances. It could be financial problems. It could be relational problems, marital problems. It could be emotional or mental problems that you're facing. But they're giants that keep you from going after your calling. And that's why we want to talk about those today. In this story, it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David actually had to fight four other giants. And we're not talking about Goliath's brothers. He did have brothers those were not the giants that David fought. These are giants that you will probably face at some point in your life, and that's why we want to take some time today to look at those because they can be just as big and just as intimidating, and they can keep you from fulfilling this calling that God has placed in your life. So let me give you another, a little bit of backstory. There's a prophet in Israel during that time called Samuel. God speaks to Samuel, and he says, Samuel, I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to go to Jesse's house. Jesse has a son who's going to be the next king of Israel. The problem was there was still a current king of Israel, King Saul. Um, but according to God, King Saul's reign was coming to an end. And so Samuel is kind of on this secret mission, this undercover kind of deal, like I'm going to have you anoint the next king of Israel. Nobody else knows about this yet. So he goes to Jesse. Jesse brings his seven oldest sons out and parades them before the prophet. And the prophet looks at each one of them and says, Nope. Are you sure you don't have any other sons? And Jesse said, Well, I, 
he's little. He's the youngest. He's, a, he's actually a shepherd boy. His name's David. And Samuel's response is, we will not sit. No one in this house will sit until David is here. So David shows up. They get David. David walks in. Samuel takes one look at him and says, this is the guy. He anoints him as the next king of Israel. I mean, I'm just hoping you, you get this picture here because I, I want you to recognize what the Bible says happened right after this. This is so significant, so significant. Jesse, the father, turns to David, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 15, and he says this, now get back out there and tend those sheep. Nothing happened. Nothing at all changed in David's life. He'd been given a dream. He'd been told, you're the next king of Israel. Now get back out there and tend those sheep. There was actually a very long delay between when he was anointed as king and when he actually sees the fulfillment of that. Scripture identifies that as a gap of some 22 years. And that's a big delay, isn't it? It's the first giant that we face in our calling and that is the giant of delay. No dream is fulfilled instantly. God doesn't say, here's the dream, and then the next day he fulfills it. That very rarely happens. In fact, it's very often that there's years between that fulfillment. There's a waiting period. God will give you a dream, and you can see it, and it's a lot like the mountains out here. Sometimes we misjudge how far away they are. You're hiking a mountain, and you think that you're coming up to the summit, and you come up over a ridge, and it's like, oh, my goodness, that's forever away still. It seems so much closer. Have you guys ever noticed that? It's, it's hard to judge the distance at times. And just because you can see it doesn't mean that it's here yet. And that's one of the biggest giants that we face, is that God will give us a dream, and he'll give us a calling but just because you have a calling from God doesn't mean that there isn't work in your heart that needs to be done by God. David is 22 years. See, God will often show you the picture, but it often takes time for him to develop the person. We always think that the picture needs to develop. God sees the picture, and he'll show you the picture but he needs to develop the person. And so this giant of delay that oftentimes just causes us to say, it's never gonna happen, and we give up, and we turn around, and we don't pursue that calling. So at, at one point, the father, Jesse, looks at the son, David, and he says, I want you to take this care package to your brothers. They're fighting on the front line. Here's some food. Here's some things. I want you to take it to them. I want you to find out how they're doing. And David goes to the camp. And this is the first time that David hears the voice of Goliath. As he is there, he hears this, this giant, this Philistine, who is shouting and taunting and insulting all of the Israelite army. And David notices something. He notices nobody's doing anything. They're all just gripped by, by fear. Everybody is scared to do anything. And this becomes the second barrier that you'll face in fulfilling your dream and fulfilling your calling in life, and it's the giant of discouragement. 
It's the giant of discouragement. Sometimes nobody thinks you can do it. Nobody has hope. They're scared, and, and worse than being scared, they're convincing other, other people to be scared. <laughs> There's a fear camp that's going on here. In fact, Goliath had created this climate of fear within the Israelite camp. And everybody in that camp had concluded that they were going to lose this battle. Nobody could beat Goliath. There's a fear camp. Here's what it says in verses 8 through 10. You can follow with me. It says, Each day Goliath would stand and shout at the ranks of Israel's army, Why do you come out here and line up for battle? Choose one man to fight me. If he's able to kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. It says, day after day, Goliath taunted them, saying, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. When Saul, the king, and the Israelites heard this, everyone was deeply shaken and paralyzed with fear. It had gripped them. They saw no hope. They were discouraged. Have you ever been in a situation where everybody around you was saying, that can't be done? It just can't be done. Where they convince one another, it's a fear camp. They convince one another that nothing can be done. Maybe you've heard it at work where somebody said, hey, in this economy, it's, that's impossible. We can't do it. It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. We can't solve this problem. They're all discouraged. And again, worse than that, they're convincing others. They're creating a fear camp. They're convincing everybody that's hopeless. And I want you to notice something in this story because we know the end of the story. Everybody in the Israelite camp was wrong. Everyone thought Goliath couldn't be beaten. All the soldiers were wrong. And I want you to know, most of the time, crowds are actually wrong. Mobs, where they incite things and they rally people, to, they're, they're usually wrong. What had happened here, unfortunately, was they were listening to the wrong voice. In verse 16, it tells us 40 days Twice a day, at morning and in the evening, this Philistine giant loudly berated, insulted this Israelite army. I mean, it's no wonder they got discouraged. That's all they were listening to day after day after day. And so I want to ask you a question. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to in your life? What are they saying? What are they saying to you that can or can't be done? Be done. Is there somebody who's putting your dreams down or saying it'll never happen? Telling you that you're not the person to do that? Because here's the reality. If you listen to negative people long enough, guess what happens? You become negative. Negativity is highly contagious. So is fear. So was discouragement. They're highly contagious. And Scripture tells you this. Be careful who you spend time with because you will pick up whatever they're putting off. Be careful. Who are you listening to? What, what can't, are you in that fear camp? Have you surrounded yourself with people who are just constantly telling you, you can't do that. That can't be done. Give up on your dream. Now, there's a third giant. 
that David had to face, and it's one that we'll face too. It's called the giant of disapproval. David had to be willing to face the disapproval of people all around him in order to go after his calling. And guess what? You will too. You'll have to face the disapproval of people. In fact, this is the top reason why people don't usually go after their dream is because they're afraid of disapproval. Most people are people pleasers. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm saying most people are people pleasers and they're afraid of rejection. And they know that going after a calling or a dream is risk and that people will disapprove because we want everybody to like us. I do. (laughs) I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to approve of everything that I do. But if you go after God's calling in your life, I'll, I'll guarantee you this part. There will be critics. There will be people who judge you for what you're doing because they don't get it. It's not their calling. This is the disapproval giant. In this story, it was David's own brother who was disapproving. David's own brother who was challenging him. David's own brother who questioned his motivation and started to belittle him. It was his own family. Follow with me, verse 29, his brother said this, why are you even here? Does that sound like an older sibling? (laughs) Why, why, Why are you even here? Why aren't you, what's he say? Why aren't you taking care of the flock and the sheep? Leave this for us big boys. Why are you even here, David? I know how conceited you are. I know you're trying to get attention for yourself. See, when God calls you, when he gives you a dream, you'll have to decide what matters more to you. Is it the approval of people or is it the approval of God? It's a giant in our pathway because this giant of disapproval can keep you from fulfilling your calling. If you're a people pleaser. Now, here's the deal. I want to... uh, I want to treasure my kids. I want to love my wife, but I want to please God. And here's what's great. I know what pleases God. I know that when I treasure my kids and I love my wife, it pleases God. But we're called to please him. And this is one of the the biggest things that will sidetrack us or or cause us to turn around and go the other way. This, This giant of disapproval There's a fourth giant. We're going to look at it real quick as well, and it's called the giant of doubt. And the giant of doubt will follow this giant of disapproval. The giant of disapproval is somebody telling you, I don't think you can do it. The giant of doubt is when you start asking yourself, am I capable of this? If you've been in that fear camp long enough, and all you've heard is people saying you can't, you can't, You can't, you start doubting yourself. There's another giant right there. It's his brother. He brings him along. And now you've got this giant of doubt. Am I up to the task? Can I actually do what God is asking me to do? In David's case, there was an expert. I told you about just a little bit ago. There was an expert in this field of of war that should have been fighting Goliath. It was King Saul. And this expert in battle doubted David's ability. 
Nobody was a greater expert on warfare than King Saul. But here's what, here's what King Saul said. When he heard that David uh, was willing to fight, he invited David to come. And here's, here's what it says. This is how this conversation goes, verses 32 and 33. Don't worry about a thing, David told the king. I'll fight this Philistine. I just want you to see the picture here, okay? Little shepherd boy, eight-foot giant warrior. Little shepherd boy comes in to the king, the, the expert, and says, I got this. Don't you worry about a thing. I'll fight this Philistine. And I, I want you to recognize something here. There, there is a confidence that is often misinterpreted as arrogance for people who really have high levels of faith in God. David did not believe that he could defeat Goliath. He knew that God could defeat the Goliath. He had incredible amounts of faith. And a lot of people, high levels of faith, their, their demeanor will be misinterpreted as arrogance when it's actually just high levels of confidence. David said, don't worry about a thing, king. I'll fight this Philistine. And here's Saul's response. Don't be ridiculous, Paul replied. There is no way that you can go against this Philistine. You're only a boy. And he's been a professional warrior all of his life. So David had an expert tell him that he can't do it. And that's enough for anybody to start doubting themselves. Maybe you've had people question whether or not you can do it. And now... You're questioning yourself. But I'll tell you this. The same thing that I said about the crowds is also true about experts. They're often wrong, as was the case with Saul. People who can't see your calling, they can't see your dream, they don't see what God has placed on your heart. They don't have the passion that you have. They don't see it. So here, here's our question. We've got these four giants how do you defeat them? How do you defeat these giants? David had to overcome each one of these. And I want to follow just as we go through this story what David did to overcome these giants. The first thing that he did and that we need to do is to remember how God has helped me in the past. The first thing you do to face the giants is remember how God has helped you in the past. This is a, it's a faith builder. It's a confidence builder. When I recall the ways that God has been faithful to me, it gives me confidence for my future. And I would say that everybody in this room should be able to give some kind of a testimony of how God stepped in in your life and he did something. And here's the problem with most believers is that we distance ourselves from our testimonies. We forget what God has done in our own lives. We forget. David recalled what the Lord had done in him. And we need to because God never changes. He doesn't wake up one day. Uh, he doesn't he didn't love you one day when you wake up, and the next day when you wake up, he changed his mind. <laughs> you know, It's not like I'm going to move on your behalf today, but then tomorrow you're on your own. God is constant. He never changes, and you need to remember how God has helped you in the past. He will help you in the future. Here's what David said. Here's what he did in verse 36. That's what he said. As a shepherd, I've killed both a lion and a bear. The Lord who delivered me from the teeth of that lion and the claws of that bear, guess what? He will surely now deliver me from this Philistine too. He remembered what God had already done in his life. 
a giant. I fought, I fought lions and bears. All we need is tigers in there, right? Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Right? This is what he's got. Like, listen, the, God's got this. He was faithful to me then. He's going to be faithful to me now. Now, that is building your faith. That is building confidence. You remember how God has helped you in the past, his faithfulness. The second thing is that you use the tools that God has given you now. Most people are waiting for something else to happen first. They have this calling that God has given them, and then we put self-imposed prerequisites. As soon as this happens, and this happens, and this happens, then I will go after my calling. It's not how God operates. If we wait for everything to come together, if we wait for the perfect scenario, the perfect situation, we will be waiting forever. You guys know that. You know that. You've got to use what God has given you right now. Saul tells David this. If you're going to fight this guy, you might as well use my armor. Now, I want you to picture this again. How, how ridiculous is this? Saul who was himself probably over six feet tall. Let, let's say I'm six foot four. Let's say Saul was around my size. And then a shepherd boy. Now, it's not just that you would wear my, my shirt or my jeans, but like my hard shell armor. He'd look like a turtle with his hands sticking out. It literally would not fit him. There's no way that you can go into battle. That's ridiculous. David says, I can't do that. This, this is not going to work for me. So here's, here's what it says here. So Saul, this, this tall, grown man, David, this short, small boy, verses 38 to 40, uh, says this, Then Saul dressed David in his own armor, but David said, I cannot go out in these. I've not used them. They, they literally don't fit me. This would not be a good decision. This is not wise. So he took them off. Instead, he chose five smooth stones for his sling. He says, I'm not going to use this. I don't need your armor. God's calling me to this. I'm going to, use, I'm going to use what God has given me. I'm going to be who I am. And let me say this to you, okay? When you start to go after your calling, there will be some people who oppose you, but there's going to be another camp of people who said, okay, yeah, go after your calling, but do it this way. Do it my way. Wear my stuff. Look like me. You make a great you, but you make a terrible somebody else. It's just the truth. God made you very unique, and you're the best you in this whole world, but you're the worst at being anyone else. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And people will try to convince you to do things their way. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't listen to people and ask for counsel and advice and direction along the way. But you know what the secret to success is? <laughs> Sounds like something you ought to put on a postcard, right? The secret to success in, in, in fulfilling your calling and, and just in so many different areas of life, it's sticking to the contract that you made with the Holy Spirit to be yourself. Be yourself. God made you a certain way. And it's in that design that you're going to be fruitful. 
He lines his calling in your life up with the way that he created you, not with the way he created somebody else. Your calling, your identity, God matched those up. He knows what he's doing. Stay true to how you were made. Stay true to yourself. Be who God made you to be. As as a pastor, and I'm sure that you guys have faced this a lot of times in life, I certainly know this in my career, 20 years of ministry now, people are always trying to get me to be somebody else. They're always saying, you should preach this way. You should dress that way. You should lead this way. You should act that way. Listen, I can only be me. If I want to be the best at what I'm doing, I've got to be me. You've got to be you. God's calling you for something, but you're not going to accomplish that calling by wearing somebody else's armor. Expect God to use the tools that he's given you. All right? Here's the third thing. Third thing to defeat these giants. Expect God to help me for his glory. Expect God to help me for his glory. This is what David did. This is my favorite part of this whole story, this whole passage. A couple of verses here, uh, verse 46 especially. Um, this is what David did, and it's, it's what you're going to have to do. It's what we could call the faith factor. The faith factor, and I love the visual and the vernacular of this passage as we get here. David, the small shepherd boy with a sling and a staff, faces off with with Goliath, the giant, with all of his armor and weaponry, and David runs at him. This is the confidence, this is the faith factor. Right? If you're a little kid um, heading to like your impending death, you're probably not going to embrace it and just run after it. But that's what it looks like. That's what the story. Here, I, I believe this with all of my heart. I really do. Jesus, let this be the case. That we're going to get to see the highlight reels when we get to heaven. And we're gonna, I'm going to go to God. This will be one of the first stories. I'm like, I want to see that. Show me that. I want to see when David charged Goliath. I want to see that. Because here's what scripture says. Here's what happened, all right? David isn't hesitant. He runs into the battle boldly shouting this. You come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Today, the Lord will conquer you. Not me. The Lord will conquer you. And the whole world will know that there is a God. And everyone will know that he doesn't need weapons to rescue his people. It's his battle. It's not ours. And the Lord will give you to us. And he charges at the, at the giant. Listen, that's faith. That's believing that the same God who rescued me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear is also going to deliver this Philistine giant into my hands today. And he runs. And here's our deal. Here's our, we, we go as far as we believe that we can make things. And there, there's this line that we get up to, and it's called fear. And on the other side of that fear is, is faith. And David somehow just blew past that line. We tiptoe up to it, and we're nervous. And we, we step across fear, and, and we, we want to step into faith. But when we step into faith, it's really trusting that God is going to move on our behalf because we're beyond our abilities, aren't we? Now I've stepped out past what I can really do. I'm a little shepherd taking on a giant. Come on, seriously. I need God to show up in a big way. And there's a line of fear right here, and it's so tough. We tiptoe up to it, and we test the water a little bit, and we don't want to do it. And here's what I love about about David. He just blazed right past that line. 
he was so filled with faith, he didn't tiptoe. He just took off running. He was like, let's do this. <laughs> let's get this over with. This is what God's called me to do. He done it, he's done it before for me. He's going to do it again. This is for his glory. God is going to show up. And we need to remind ourselves that God is going to show up. I want to ask you, what are you expecting God to do in your life? Is your life right now, is it lived at your ability? Or is there something in your life that requires you to step over that line of fear and say, God, this is like, you're going to have to show up. I believe you will. I trust you with this. Are you living safe? <laughs> are, are, you, are you staying on this side of that, that fear line? And that's my biggest question and biggest challenge for you as we wrap up this series. We've talked about a lot of different things in the last seven weeks. But here's the deal. We know this. We know that when we get done, just like most books, this is what, um, this is what human research has shown, is that when we finish a book, we close it, and everything that we read and learned in that book goes with that book onto the shelf. And we turn our attention to something new. And we forget. But if we really want to be transformed in these areas that we've talked about, we can't close this series up and close the book and close all the information. We've got to recognize there are giants that are going to stand in the way. They're going to try and keep us now from doing the things that, that God's word has told us, has called us to do. And, and there's going to be some scary times and there may be people around you that say things like, I, I don't see you doing that. <laughs> I don't see that going well. But God's put something in your heart and he's calling you to something. And it could be that people around you are discouraging you and now all of a sudden you're doubting yourself. And you're listening to the wrong voice. And this morning, as, as we wrap up, I just want you to listen to the voice of the Savior. It says, in me you can do all things. I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future, to give you hope. The voice of the Savior speaking those words to you. That you would remind yourself, man, God has shown up in my life before. He'll do it again. I don't want to settle. I don't want to let doubt. I don't want to let discouragement. I don't want to let those things cause me to turn around and go the other way. I really want to, to fulfill this calling in my life. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to wrap up, and here's, here's where we're at. If you say yes to God, I mean, he's, he'll take you on the adventure of a lifetime. doesn't matter how, how young you are, how old you are, how, how long you've known the Lord, or how little you've known him. And God's got, he's got incredible things for you. If you just say yes to him, and that's what I want to give you an opportunity to do before we, we close today. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I mean, you've heard me talking about this calling. You're like, man, I, I, I would love that, but I've never even asked Jesus to lead my life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to take a moment here. I just want to encourage you, if that's you today, you've never asked God to be your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. You can just say, Jesus, I thank you so much for loving me just as I am. Thank you, Lord, that you have a, a specific calling in my life. And today, Lord, I want to start by asking you 
to forgive me of my sins and to give me a brand new start. I want you to be first in my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior from this day forward. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, it's the most important part of our whole conversation today. That decision that you made. And I'd like to ask you to do us a favor. On the back of the connection card that's in your bulletin, there's a box that says yes. And it's simply just a way for us as a church family to be a family, to pray for you, to celebrate you. And we want to be able to do that. So if you take a moment, check that box. And our elders are going to be up front at the end of our service today to pray for you, any needs that you may have. And um, I'd encourage you to take that card to them. Drop it off with them. They'd love to pray with you today. In fact, let's take a moment and congratulate those who prayed that prayer this morning. All right, so we're going to close out this message today. Next week, we're going to celebrate. We're going to talk about some great things that God's done. But I want you to reflect for a moment as we close. What has God put as a passion in your life? What, what is, have, have you ever asked God, Lord, what is, what is the calling that you have for me? You made me a certain way and for a certain reason. And I know you want to line those up. I want to be true to, to who you made me, and I also want to be true to your calling. And if you've never asked the Lord that, I encourage you to go to him and ask him, what, what is my calling? What's my purpose? Give me that dream. And if you have received that, pursuing it or is there a giant somewhere in the pathway that's caused you to turn around maybe it's maybe it's delay maybe you just feel like it's never going to happen maybe that's caused discouragement maybe there's people around you who that disapproval and it's convinced you to doubt yourself as well and if that's the case I want to remind you of these three things we talked about remember God's faithfulness in your life he's done before, he will do again. Stop waiting on other things before you go after the calling. Use what God has given you right now and expect him to move on your behalf. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful, Lord, because we know that you've helped us a lot of times in the past. You've helped us through things that we never, we'd even get it, get out of. Lord, Lord, we know that you're going to help us again in the future, that you're there for us and that you're going to move on our behalf. And God, we want to draw confidence from that. Even when people around us may be um, discouraging, Lord, we want, to, um, we want to draw faith from you. We want to be able to live a life where we step over that line of, of fear. and we, we trust that you're going to move, that you're going to fulfill your plans and purposes in our life. God, we want that. We want that. And we ask that you do whatever it takes to see that happen, God. We, we surrender ourselves to you. Fulfill your plan and your purpose in our life, we pray. 